Good evening and welcome to Monday Night Chapel. This is different for all of us on a Monday night. We're glad you're here. And we would like to begin by sharing our theme together. Would you state that with me? Here am I, Lord, send me. And could we pray that prayer in our hearts? Amen. The worship team's going to lead us in worship, so I bet they're going to ask you to stand. Amen. We're reminded every day, Father, of your greatness. We look to the West and we see your creation. And we understand what a powerful God we have. And we gather in this room to worship tonight. We look around at our brothers and sisters and we see your grace at work. And once again, we're reminded of your greatness. For whether it's in your hand of creation or your hand of redemption, how can we not but say how great is our God? And tonight we worship you. Tonight we desire to hear from your word. And I pray that you would speak through your messenger to us tonight. You're a great God. A great father. And we love you tonight. Amen. You may be seated. The Harry W. Dickerson lecture series... Um, was established by the children of Reverend Harry W. Dickerson in honor of their father. This was established in 1976. Reverend Dickerson was an evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene for 50 years. And the purpose of this series is to emphasize the pulpit presentation of the doctrine of holiness by active evangelists. Our speaker for this series this year is not a stranger to most of us, Dr. Stephen Manley. Dr. Manley has been an active evangelist since 1968. How many of you have been in a revival where Dr. Manley has spoken? I've heard him many, many times. He's a great friend of our families. He's a great preacher of the Word of God. And I would ask you to welcome Dr. Manley back to Nazarene Bible College as he comes to preach now. Well, evangelists are long-winded, so we need to jump right into this. <laughs> Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Great to be here. Uh, I'm interested in uh, dealing in these three nights we have together in Acts chapter 2, verse 25, 26, and 27. Uh, <clears throat> it's just a phenomenal uh, passage, and um, if you want to uh, look at it yourself, that'd be great as, uh, as we uh, deal with it and as you uh, have time. But Acts chapter 2, verse 25. So tonight we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 25, and get started there. Uh, context is everything. Context really matters. 
can't deal with the passage without the context. Uh, verse 1 through 4, of course, of chapter 2 is the context and it's the Pentecost event. And the basis of, Pente of the Pentecost event, and it is phenomenal that he could take the whole event and just wrap it up in four verses and just hand it to us and go to the depth of the thing. Uh, but the basis of the event is the outside God has come to be inside. Uh, I want to paint you a picture. Over here on this side we have a room. We'll call it the Old Covenant. It's the Old Testament room. It has a chief characteristic, and the chief characteristic of the Old Covenant is God's over there, I'm over here, and he's telling me what to do. He has a right to tell me what to do. He should tell me what to do. I ought to do what he tells me to do. He certainly has a right to watch me and see if I do what he tells me to do. He's over there. I'm over there. Came down on Mount Sinai. I scared us half to death. He's over there. I'm over here. Who's got to pull this off? I do. It's a sourcing issue. It's a sourcing issue. See, the one who's got to keep the law, the one who's got to pull this off, the one who's got to be, I've got to get my act together. Well, shape up. We'll do what you're supposed to do. Well, come to Sunday school on time. What's your problem? So here I am. I'm working on it. Don't look so close. I'm struggling. I'm trying. We use words in this Old Testament covenant, words like striving, trying, attempting. God's not done with me yet. WWJD fits into this room. I want you to come over here now, another room. New covenant, New Testament. Here's the danger. Remember, over here, God's over there, I'm over here, I gotta pull this off. In this room, God's not over there, he's in here. <laughs> now that's an overwhelming shift. Now here's the danger of the thing. It would be that we would take this concept, God's over there, I'm over here, I have to pull it off, and we would adapt it to this reality over here. God's not over there anymore, he's in here. But even though he's in here, and I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, even though he's in here, and I'm his habitat, even though he's in here, and I've become his body, even though he's in here, he's still telling me what to do, and I have to do it. No, that's over here. See, over here, is on, he's not just changed locations. He's actually come to indwell me and to source me. You got it? Over here, I have to pull it off. Over here, I don't have to pull this off. I am going to no longer live out of myself that is so Pauline, isn't it? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Well, no, I don't live. Well, yes, I do. Well, no, I don't. Well, I am alive. Well, it's not me. Well, it's Jesus. Well, it's the same old nose, but I'm under new management. Something's going on in me that's not me. And I'm living like I can't live. And I'm being what I can't be. And I'm acting like I can't act. And I'm loving like I can't love. And the whole wordage changes. See, over here you talk about I'm trying. Over here you talk about I'm resting. See, over here you're talking about, well, I'm doing my best, which has never been too good. We've seen your best, and it's not, brother. See, this is not about doing your best. This is about, whoo, he's come to be within me, and he is literally doing his best through me. See, over here is my ministry. I'm developing my skills. I've got my talent, and God ought to, 
Over here it's his ministry and I'm a platform through which I'm a partner in the divine activity. I love this one. Over here I'm living my life for Christ. I'm living my life for Christ. Now the obvious next statement of that is, I'm living my life for Christ. Isn't he lucky? Well, he ought to applaud. Good night. I got good looks, talent, and money too. Whoa. What more could he want? He's lucky to have me. I'm living my life for him. Yay. It's going to ruin a lot of good songs. I'm not no longer living my life for Christ. Oh, Christ is living his life through me. Do you see the shift? It's a sourcing issue. That's Pentecost. That's the context. Now, three to 5,000 Jews are hanging around watching 120 who got this for the first time. God has just opened up the door. Jesus opened up this door, stepped through into this new room, dragged 120 into it. And wow, three to 5,000 people are hanging around saying, what on earth is going on? In fact, the question is given down in verse 12, whatever could this mean? And the verb is left out, to be. So the question is, whatever could this mean to be in my life? How does it apply? How could I get in on it? If I got in on it, what would it mean in my life? What does this mean to be? Peter is moved upon in verse 14 by the Holy Spirit, stands up and says, I'm going to explain it to you. And you know how he does it? With a sermon. <laughs> it's a long one too, aren't they all? He gives the text, verse 17 through 21, quotation out of Joel chapter 2, verse 20, uh, 28 and following. And then he begins the body of his sermon. Now the body of his sermon is verse 22, begins at verse 22. And he opens the body of his sermon with what we call, a, what I call a proposition, the big idea. Every sermon should have a big idea. It's the proposition. It's the whole sermon reduced down to one sentence. Most people wish we'd give the one sentence and shut up, but we never do that. So here's the one sentence, and the one sentence happens to be three verses long. It's really a deal. Verse 22, 23, 24, one long sentence. Everything he's going to say is going to be an explanation for Pentecost, and everything he's going to say is going to spill out of that one sentence. He says, I want to explain to you Pentecost. I want to explain what's going on in 120. Here's his explanation. Verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Not Jesus of Nazareth, son of God, although he is. Not Jesus of Nazareth, second member of the Trinity, although he is. Not Jesus, the divine one, although he is. Jesus of, I'm explaining Pentecost to you. What's the explanation for Pentecost? Jesus of Nazareth, a man. A man that God proved Pentecost through. How did he do it? Proved it through Jesus in his life, verse 22. Proved it in his death, verse 23. Proved it in his resurrection, verse 24. Life, death, resurrection. That just about covers it. So he says, here's this man called Jesus. And the explanation for Jesus is not he's God, although he is God. But the explanation for Jesus is he's a man filled with God. Which is exactly what's going on in the 120. 
So what was going on in Jesus, causing Jesus to be Jesus of Nazareth, the man, is the same identical spirit that's going on in 120. And guess what? You can have it too. <laughs> now when he got done looking at his crowd, as he said that, he, got, he looked at his crowd and, well, they look about like you. So he, he goes to verse 24 and says, For David says concerning him, which is the verse we want to deal with. For the Greek word gar, for. It's a causative particle. It has, many times, it is used in the sense of it assumes a reaction. So as Peter is preaching this sermon, he's got this three to 5,000 Jews that he's just addressed, and when he looks at them, he sees that they want to ask questions, but we're not in a classroom. Put your hand down. This is a sermon, and you can't talk back in a sermon. So he knows they aren't going to ask questions, so he assumes what they're going to ask and says, I'm going to answer your questions before you ask them. He says, here's how I want to do it. I'm going to let Jesus come since he's the explanation for Pentecost, I'm going to let Jesus come and give his own testimony and explain it to himself. And he quotes a messianic psalm. Psalm 16. Now the messianic psalm, he says, David wrote it. We know that. David wrote it. But it wasn't about David. And the proof of that, he says in verse 29, is that David could not possibly have fulfilled this psalm because he's dead and buried. Go smell his bones. It's right over there in a tomb. So this couldn't have possibly been about David. Jesus. This is about Jesus. And when you read this psalm, it's like Jesus is standing there, his lips are parting, and he's speaking these words. So he's giving his own testimony about Pentecost. We on track? What is this Pentecost thing? 120. Peter stands up and says, I'll explain it to you. Jesus is the explanation. Oh, you don't understand that. Oh, I'll let Jesus come and explain it to you himself. And he begins with verse 25. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Back up. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. Now over here on this side, we want to put, I foresaw the Lord. Over here on this side, we want to put, always before my face. I foresaw the Lord, always before my face. This is the explanation for this. This is the content of this. I foresaw the Lord. What's that mean? always before my face. So if you understand this, you'll have it all. So let's look at this. Always before my face. Always before my face. Reach in, grab a hold of the word my, pull it out, before face, squeeze it together. That's a translation of one Greek word. The prefix is in. Equivalent to our I-N. It's been translated before. It's okay, but it's really in. There are three words that you use one of them in every single sentence you speak. In, from, into. It's the same way in the Greek language. In, from, into. From is a motion word. He came from that room, meaning he was there, now he's here. He came from, it's a motion word. Into is a motion word. In, no motion. 
Isn't it significant that when you go through the New Testament, the fundamental core of the whole business of Christianity seems to be all wrapped up in, in Christ, in you. Not moving into you, not coming out of you, in. It's the vine and a branch stuff. It's a bide kind of thing. It's in, no movement. He's come, settled, moved in. He's here. Christ, in. Jesus begins to talk about in. Oh, go back here. Before face, translation of one Greek word, prefix is in. The second word literally means the eye and the area around the eye. It could in one sense be translated in my eyeball. Jesus says, I want to explain Pentecost to you. You know what Pentecost is all about? Oh, it's about being sourced by the Father. And I want to tell you, all the time I'm being sourced by the Father, all the time I was being sourced by the Father, do you know what was going on in my life? The Father was in my eye. See, the Father got so close, couldn't see anything else. The Father got so close, he became the lens through which I saw everything. The Father got so close that I couldn't, I, I, every, everything I looked at, I saw nothing but him. The Father got so close that in every circumstance, he ended up in the middle of all of it. The Father became so real, he became the pivot point around which my whole life revolved. He became the hub my whole life was centered on, focused in, all wrapped up in. He's in, wow, he's in my eye. Look at the next statement. For he is, stop right there, it's the a me word, it's the I am thing. You know, Moses, burning bush, what's your name, God? I am that I, this is the word. All the I am's of Jesus, I am the way, I am the truth. This is the word. This is not a doing thing, this is a being thing. This is a state of being. He says he is not the statue of the Father. This is not about the doctrine of the Father. This is not about the theology of the Father. This is not about the organization of the Father. This is not about the school of the Father, the preaching of the Father, the career of the Father, the ministry of the Father. What the Father's going to do for me? This is about, oh, the Father is in my eye. Remember the story about Jesus, 12 years of age, went to Jerusalem, had a big time, all the families traveled, camped out from Galilee, had a big time, now they're on their way home, camped that night, Mary and Joseph compare notes and find out, oh, we left the teenager in Jerusalem. They traveled out one day. They slept the best they could that night, traveled back. That's two days they'd been without him. The scripture says they looked for him for three days. Three days they searched for him. Scripture doesn't say that they say, it, scripture does say they went down to the temple. It doesn't say that they went to the temple to pray, but you would assume that. Went to the temple to pray and say, God, where's this teenager? And when they walked through the door, there he was. They pulled the old parent thing. This is a direct quote. Why have you done this to us? Jesus looked at him and said something like this. 
Three days you've been looking for me? Where have you been looking? Did you come into town and say, Oh, I bet he's down at the adult bookstore. Did you come into town and say, Oh, we better check out the pool. You did a lot of looking in three days. Why wouldn't you walk into town and immediately say, Oh, I know where it'll be. Temple. And then he gave the statement that you've memorized. Don't you know I must be about my father's business. Here's an assignment for you. Look it up in the Greek text. Business isn't there. You know what he said? I must be about my father. Oh, why did we put business on there? Oh, I can tell you why we put business on there. Because that's what I'm about. The business. Father's business. Hey, it's big business. I'm about the business. Listen, I'm about the preaching business, brother. I'm about to, hey, let's get down. Call that committee meeting. Let's get those budgets paid. Come on. Let's get, come on. Let's get this next assembly rolling. Let's go. Come on. Business, 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 business. I'm about the business, school business. Hey, I'm, I'm about the business, business. Let's get the career business. I'm into business. It's all for him. Jesus wasn't about the business. He was about the... <sighs> Trying to explain Pentecost to you. What's going on in 120? <sighs> Same thing that was going on in Jesus. What was going on in Jesus? He was sourced by the Father. And all the time he was sourced by the Father, you know what was going on? The Father was in his eye. <laughs> not the business of the Father, not the career of the Father, not the church of the Father, not the organization of the Father, not the Sunday school of the Father. The Father himself. <gasps> Look at the next statement. For he is at my right hand. That's bodyguard language. Yeah. See, the bodyguard was always at the right hand because he could take his shield and he could cover you and fight with his sword. So you know what he's saying? Oh, the Father. All the time I'm being sourced by the Father. The Father's in my eye. You've got to get this. All the time I'm being sourced by the Father. The Father's in my eye. All the time the Father's in my eye. Oh, he's defending me. What's he defending me from? Look at the next statement. That purpose clause. Here's the reason he's my bodyguard. Here's the reason he's defending me. That I may not be shaken. The word shaken means waver or like distractions. Ever get distracted? People get distracted. If you've ever preached, you know that. Can you see the Sunday morning service? Some kid is sitting on the front row. Lo and behold, he gets up and walks out. Everybody watches him. What are you supposed to do as a preacher? 
You could sit down and wait till everybody begins to pay attention again, but you don't, you can't do that. You just back kind of back up, you rehash, you say it again, you just kind of tread water for about five minutes. And then finally, hey, everybody's back and you start preaching again. You're, mo you're going along pretty good and then whoop, he comes back in. Whoop, they're all watching him. Takes another five minutes to get them all back. And then they come up to you and say, why do you preach so long? If you just pay attention. <laughs> Distractions. Hey, I'm not knocking anybody. We all get distracted. Things happen. I know. You know what he says? All the time I'm being sourced. Trying to explain Pentecost to you. All the time I'm being sourced by the Father, you know what's going on. Oh, the Father's in my eye. And you know what he's doing in my eye? He is literally defending me from all distractions. See, I didn't get him in my eye. He came in my eye. I don't keep him in my eye. He stays in my eye. No movement. And I don't keep myself from being distracted. He keeps me. He's doing the whole thing. And I'm just kind of hanging on because he's the source. Oh, you didn't get it. Uh, this kid goes to college and... Uh, Sometime during the first year, he's walking to class and, oh, 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 he sees her. And his heart just begins to pound and his palms get sweaty and, oh, she's gorgeous. She's, what's her name? Do you know her? Uh, what, what classes are she? I'm signing up. What, what is she? Uh, he just, can you introduce me? And finally, he's introduced to her. And now that he's seen her, oh, he loves her. And now that he loves her, he wants to be with her. So now he's drinking a Coke and then he's asking her out on a date. And, and then he wants to, after the first date, then he's texting her and he wants another date. And then, it's, and then he's calling her. And then he's, and he, he's just, and, and the, the more he sees her, the more he loves her, and the more he loves her, the more he wants to see her, and the more he sees her, the more he loves her, and the more he loves her, the more, and the old boy's just being sucked in. And you go to him and say, there, concentrate now, focus. You don't have to do that. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Says, you know what's happened to me? All the time I'm being sourced by the Father. The Father's in my eye. And oh, the more I see him, the more I love him. And the more I love him, the more I see him. And the more I see him, the more I love him. And I'm just being sucked in and I'm just... Oh. Do you hear that? I'm under a terrible conviction. You know how much of my life has been spent in the business? Wouldn't it be awful to get so wrapped up in the business you miss? Oh. 
Well, how can I tell if I'm wrapped up in the business instead of wrapped up in him? Oh, that's so easy. Isn't it interesting when you're wrapped up in the business, when it doesn't go well, you get irritated? I prepared that Sunday school class. I worked on that lesson. I had that all together. I put that program all together. I did that daily vacation Bible school. I worked like a dog and they didn't even come. Makes me mad. I'm not doing it again. You're into the business. I went to that church and they even spelled my name wrong in the bulletin. You're into the business. Jesus. I can see how easy it would be to come here and get all wrapped up in ministerial business. I know how easy it is to get so wrapped up in sermons and preaching and schedule and church growth and programs and what's the next big event that somehow I can even see, God, how it would be so easy. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Have I done that? I can see how easy it would be to get so wrapped up in how long I prayed and keeping track of the moments I pray and keeping track of the hours I pray and how many meals I fast and how much and how many things I and how many times I've gone to church and how many sermons I preach and get so wrapped up in... Could we, could we come back to you? Could you get in my eye and rescue me from everything else that would demand and want my attention? Have we gotten so wrapped up in spiritual activities we've missed the spirit? And could it be that the answer to everything, oh, I see it in you, Jesus. You were into the Father, not the Father's business. You were into the Father, and somehow the business got done. Heads are bound. through the lens of your eye. Do you always see him? Anybody here 
Oh, nobody's bad. We're all preparing for good things. Have you got so wrapped up in developing your skills? Magnifying your talents? Developing your ideas? Getting the knowledge that you've missed him. Anybody want to kneel tonight at this altar and repent because too much of your life has been into the business instead of the Father? Anybody? Yes, there's one. It's me. I want to kneel. Not an example to you. Not to lead the way. Focus me anew. Dear Jesus, focus me anew. Moments of seeking proper time our chaplain will come and dismiss us and give us closure be obedient tonight that there's room for growth there's room for you to come in closer 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 God we tell you tonight collectively that we long for the closer and God I just want to pray for all of us in this room forgive us oh God for getting so caught up in business. May we weep before you, O oh God. Lord, would you turn our hearts inside out and touch every crevice, 
And I pray, Almighty God, that you would do a new thing among us. Oh, Jesus, help us to obey the message that we've heard tonight. Thank you, Lord. I know that this message was divine. And we thank you for the response. We thank you for your going to help us in the days ahead. Because you are faithful, faithful, faithful. And we love you. We adore you. We exalt you as King of Kings. And we pray this prayer in humility and in earnestness. And it's in your powerful, awesome name that we pray it. And every one of us said, Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>